Hello and welcome to episode 15 of This Won't Teach You Anything. I sincerely hope that things are going well for you or as well as can be expected. Uh, Here in Indiana, where I'm at, we had gotten absolutely pelted with snow over this last week. Uh, It's kind of a joke up here where I'm from. Uh, Maybe other parts of the country, same type of thing, that when the meteorologist comes out with the weather report, we hear the doom and gloom of, oh, it could be anywhere from three to 36 inches. They don't really say that, but that's kind of what we have to go by uh, when we hear that a big storm is coming in. Up until the last um, week or so, we had had sparse uh, snow conditions this winter. It was going to be another um, winter that just wasn't much of a winter. And, you know, there's good and bad. I imagine when I was younger and, you know, snow days, there was no such thing as e-learning and snow days were like the surprise vacations. I, whether it's right or not, you know, memory tends to go ahead and embellish things as you get older. But it seems to me that I, I remember snowstorms up here in Northern Indiana being a lot more frequent than they are, uh, than they seem to be now. And I don't know if it's because there's no such thing as snow days anymore once you start working. Um, but you know, it, it, it's kind of, uh, it's kind of cheap for kids these days because so many times a snow day is an e-learning day. And for those of you who don't have kids, e-learning is basically, you get your assignments and you're responsible to go ahead and get them in by the next day on your own. So it's not really a break other than you're at your house, but you know, for some people, you know, that I I work with and, and through the pandemic remote work has kind of been the thing that's that a lot of offices have gone to. Some people can do the remote work and I'm going to say some students can do it. It's harder for others because they're surrounded by their, their own environment and things they would rather be doing. So uh, the other thing is it just, I, I remember going out and just being outside in the snow for uh, until your fingers, what we called pruned up or wrinkled up. And we would be out there for hours till you couldn't feel your feet. You couldn't feel your hands and you came in and, and you were just soaked that's the kind of snow that we've had this week. And, it, you know, somebody opened their mouth, I'm sure, and said, you know, this winter sucks and there's not going to be any snow again this year because it's been, like I said, sparse. But I'm ready for the snow to um, to stop. Looks like we're going to get hit again this weekend with more and even better. It seems like it's going to be, as a meteorologist called it, heavy wet snow. So... Uh, when you've got an inclined driveway that has to be shoveled, it it's not a lot of fun. But I do have to go ahead and give credit to my oldest daughter, uh, Skylar, who's been on the show before, and, and my wife, Colleen. Uh, earlier this week, uh, they went ahead and um, Skylar took care of behind her car in the driveway uh, that I asked her to do. But my wife, Colleen, you know... And that was a chore, but my wife, Colleen, spent three hours out there shoveling snow. (laughs) So uh, it's not something I wanted to do and and probably not something she should have been out doing, uh, but at least not for three hours all at once. But that's the kind of person that she is. It's 
uh, bulldog determination with her. So uh, I, I I do owe her a, a bunch of thanks for for having that cleared out when I got home. That was that was really cool to not have to go uh, from work to shoveling snow when you just shoveled snow the night before at ten o'clock and then had to shovel some more the next morning when it had snowed again. So now that's winter in northern Indiana. I hope uh, you know. You know, what's going on in Texas with the power outage is just terrible. They have it a ton worse than what we do up here. So I, I hope that gets rectified and, and people uh, get their electricity back and, and warm up uh, soon because it's just uh, unheard of, you know, that uh, that something like that can happen these days, but uh, happen it did. Again, Hope uh, things are, are, are going as well for everyone who's listening as they can. And let's get into it. This week, we are going to cover a movie that three, four weeks ago, even two weeks ago, maybe one week ago, I would have never thought I'd be covering. Because I like to try and stick to movies that I, I consider favorites of mine. For one reason or another, you know, I might sneak one in there that may not be a favorite, but but I just felt like talking about. But for the most part, that's what I try and do. And it's few and far between that what happened um, to lead to this film happened. But I, I love it when it does. So again, let's get into the film reel. And we're going to discuss Taika Waititi's Jojo Rabbit. Jojo Rabbit is one of those films to me. It's not everybody. It's not going to be everybody's, as I used to say, cup of tea. But for me, it was a film that I'd wanted to see and had just not um, found it. You know, I'd go on to iTunes on my Apple TV and, and look to rent it. And it was available to purchase, but not to rent. And so I checked Netflix and I'd check Hulu and the streaming services and uh, it was this past week that I found it on HBO Max, one of those movies where I was, oh, yeah, I want to watch that. I'll, I'll get to it, you know, some other time, forget about it for a while. I was finally able to put everything together and sit down with my wife and watch this film. Now, I mentioned that the film Jojo Rabbit was directed and um, had the... Uh, screenplay adapted by Taika Waititi, the, the um, director of What We Do in the Shadows, and more notably that I'm sure many of you, if you're listening to this podcast, have seen Thor Ragnarok. And for me, really the guy that, that made me have more than just a passing interest in Thor really rejuvenated that uh, Marvel series, which for me, the first two films had always, I'd always thought were the weakest of the Marvel films. So really, really uh, wanting to see something, you know, that wasn't big budget, but looked like it had a really interesting story and to see what he could do with it, because I was a fan of his other work. He didn't disappoint. Again, this is my opinion. Uh, the film did a very modest 
um, $33.4 million in the U.S. And, and worldwide, right around $91 million. So it was not a blockbuster by any sense of the imagination. It did, however, win the Oscar for Best Adapted Screenplay for Taika Waititi. So, and, and well-deserved. Now, uh, I've seen various interviews and, and read things. It was a movie, is a movie, that is is such, especially in these times, just you can't, you can't even think about how the pitch of this film went. For those of you who don't know the premise of this film, it's told from the viewpoint of 10-year-old Johannes Betzler, who goes by the nickname Jojo. Pretty normal stuff so far. Jojo has an imaginary friend. It's a period piece that takes place during the uh, the tail end of World War II. Okay, fine. You know, things like this have been done before. Uh, Jojo is a German. Jojo is a Nazi in the Hitler Youth. Okay. His imaginary friend is Adolf Hitler. So, you know, at this point, what is this film, right? I encourage you to watch the trailers. It is what I would call a dramedy. And again, in the pitch meeting, how does this go off, right? Ten-year-old Nazi Adolf Hitler is his imaginary friend. Doesn't sound like, in especially in this day and age, anything that's going to go over well. Well, uh, uh, Taika Waititi is just does a masterful job with this film. And he, uh, the Fox Searchlight, who finally greenlit this film, did it on the condition that he play the part of the imaginary Adolf Hitler. Now, for those of you who don't know, Taika Waititi is from New Zealand Looks absolutely nothing like Adolf Hitler, but in the film he's made up and and does pull off a uh, a version of Adolf Hitler that uh, that is imaginarily unbelievable or believable. So uh, again, you see what I mean when I say, "Is this how did this even get made?" It tackles things and there I may delve into spoiler areas here and I'll try and give the the warning here I'm going to try and stay away from it because there's so many uh it, it's just a film I think that that should be experienced uh with unspoiled so maybe I will stay away from the spoilers but basically Jojo is uh fanatical about Adolf Hitler and you know it he looks up to him like other kids may look up to a baseball player or a NBA player or a football player. Again, twisted, I know, but it, it's done in a way that has an innocence to, uh, to his character. You know, at the age of 10, how many of us had an interest in politics? Hitler to the people of Germany was a rock star. He wasn't out there telling all the seedy stuff that was going on behind the scenes um, wasn't a good guy by any stretch of the imagination. 
often voted the worst um worst person in the history of of uh the world so again for this movie to get made and with a a comedic edge is is a just amazing by itself now uh the film stars as i mentioned uh in the role of jojo roman griffin davis and it was his first role and everybody in this film does a fantastic job especially um roman griffin davis is just done with such an innocence and and flair but um during the more serious moments of the film is just handled by someone who you would think had a lot of acting experience under his belt. Um, also stars uh, Thomas and McKenzie as Elsa. And Elsa is a Jewish girl who Jojo's mother has hidden in their house. Uh, Jojo doesn't know it, but he comes across her and, and these, I don't really see it so much as spoilers because these, this is thing are things you find out, uh, which I would encourage you to watch the trailer in the trailer. So, uh, it's just setting up the premise of the story. Jojo's mother is played by the fantastic Scarlett Johansson, uh, who, you know, most often, uh, is these days is known for black widow, but is, is just a fantastic actress, uh, from way back in lost in translation with Bill Murray uh, to more recently, uh, marriage story, which is not, it, it's a, it's a film that is so grounded in, in reality that it's like, you know, almost kind of like, ouch, that's, that's too real. Uh, we also have, as I mentioned, Taika Waititi as Adolf, imaginary Hitler, uh, and in a just phenomenal, uh, toned down role. And his introduction isn't so toned down, but just um, just lets the role play, um, you know, as it needs to be played. Uh, Sam Rockwell uh, as a uh, Nazi captain that was sent from the the front lines after an an injury uh, to basically run this camp for the Hitler youth. At its core. Uh, Jojo Rabbit is a film that does a fantastic job of selling love and not in a way that, that you would expect, expect, especially with the, 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 the storyline and the characters that you would think and. I'm not going to get preachy here or try not to. The film does it in a way that is not preachy and it does it so smoothly and effortlessly again, using, you know, the, uh, through the eyes of a 10 year old boy, who's just been told, uh, throughout probably as much as he, he can remember by someone he idolizes that, other people that aren't German, in this case, Jews, are bad people and you should just hate them because they're Jews. We don't see scenes of concentration camps. 
we don't see anything like that. But anybody who knows anything about history knows already has that part filled in. And so when you meet Elsa, when Jojo meets her, and again, this is in the trailer, it, it resonates and, and it's done with a comedic effect. But Jojo has just been fed these things that Jews can read minds, that Jews have horns, that Jews are this and Jews are that. And he believes it because it's what he's been told by his idol, by his government. And at 10 years old, why would they lie to him? So to him, all those things are true. And that's a danger of filling the heads of, of our kids with things that maybe biases we might have. And I'm not saying that people are biased towards people, but you can, um, you, you got to be careful, right? With, with what you do. Now, if you're a Cubs baseball fan, you probably want your son to be a Cubs baseball fan. So you can go ahead and, and share that with them. No harm in that. Right. But I'm sure there's people out there that are bigots that go ahead and share those type of views with kids. And those kids don't question it because it comes from someone they trust. That's where this film really excels. And I don't like being preached to. I didn't feel like I was being preached to in this film. It, the story is so engaging and done in such a way that, um, just makes you want to be better at whatever it is you lack in. Um, it, it, it's just, it, it really gets you right in the chest. Now, along with all the comedic relief and um, Jojo's best friend, Yorkie, um, who also does, has some of the best lines in the film and just an amazing job of acting himself. There are um, moments that snap you right back uh, to reality and it wouldn't matter the setting or the time things happen that, that just are a gut punch that you don't see coming. And I've talked about often during this podcast about films. I want a film to make me feel something. I don't want to forget. I don't want to see films that I forget a few days later, a year later saying, I think I saw that there. I put Jojo rabbit for me as an instant top 10 of mine. After seeing it twice, I watched it on a, um, a Friday night and then I watched it the very next day, uh, right around lunchtime because I knew at that point after seeing it one time that I wanted to talk about it on the podcast and I try to, you know, let movies, um, you know, marinate in my head after I see them for a little while before I think about, is this something that is going to be with me for a long time as a favorite, or is it just something new that happened that is shiny and I'm going to forget about it in six months. It's only happened to me twice with films and I was just talking to my wife about it to where I watched a movie and didn't have high expectations and it just knocked me out. 
It's happened twice. Now I'm not I'm not saying that the other movie I'm about to mention is that I had low expectations. I guess I had more no real expectations one way or the other. And that was Silver Linings Playbook, which I've already done a show on, and now Jojo Rabbit. It's just a film that that really took me off guard. I, I knew I'd wanted to see it as I mentioned it, but it it really was so much better, in my opinion, than I thought it would be. The story pulls you in. It moves very fast. It's only about an hour and 48 minutes long. And the characters are, are just so well done. And the message is important always. But, you know, just a, a little something that we all could use. You know, if we could all go ahead and and and, and just give people the benefit of the doubt for, uh, you know, who they are individually. And again, not being preachy, but just what this film makes you think about um, is is why it resonates with me so much. And uh, as I mentioned, the performances, I can't find a bad one in it. And it's just, it, it it's so surprising that you can take a subject like this with the type of characters in it that, you know, you're just not supposed to uh, be able to identify with, but it, it shows that at 10 years old, for the most part, we're all innocent at 10 years old. And even though um, Jojo wants Elsa, the Jewish girl that's been hiding as he in his house, has a conversation with her. Again, this is something in the trailer, not something that ruins anything. Is there's a poignant conversation where um, Jojo tells her, Nazis and Jews can't be friends. And Elsa tells him, you're not a Nazi, Jojo. You're a 10-year-old boy who's into swastikas and wants to wear a funny uniform and belong to a club. And she's right. At 10 years old, we believe whatever we're told if we trust people. And that's... That's what happened to this character, Jojo. And the story takes us through, you know, how, how he goes ahead and learns different from what he's been taught. Uh, there's, there's side plots that have to do with, with other differences that, that other characters have and um, how they deal with them. So I want to say more, but I don't want to ruin this film because I'm sure given the box office take, there's a lot of you out there who have not seen this film. It's not for everybody. I'm sure we all have our own opinions for me. If you've liked any of the movies that I've talked about that you hadn't seen and, and trust me to go ahead and recommend another one, Jojo Rabbit comes from me highly recommended. Not that I know anything. I just know that I really enjoyed this film. (laughs) 
So there you have it. Episode 15 in the books. Again, Jojo Rabbit. I caught it here uh, on uh, February 2021 on uh, streaming on the HBO Max streaming service. This is not a commercial for HBO Max. It's just where I was able to find it and uh, was pleasantly surprised by it. And it it does go right now in my, my top 10 films of my all-time top 10 films. Uh, again, thank you for all your support. If you listen, please make sure to rate, review, and subscribe. You can follow the show in the following ways. Twitter, at This Won't Teach. Instagram, this underscore, won't underscore, teach underscore, you underscore anything. You can email thiswontteach at gmail.com or on Facebook at This Won't Teach. So again, thanks for listening, and we'll catch you next time on This Won't Teach You Anything. <laughs>